Welcome everyone to Dr. John Bedker's Leadership Podcast, the podcast focused on leadership. The episode will begin shortly. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the podcast. On March 28th, 2023, six more victims of a fatal shooting occurred in a Nashville elementary school. Three students and three staff members were shot and killed at the Covenant School in Tennessee's capital city of Nashville, according to the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department. The Covenant School, which is a private Christian school for children in preschool through sixth grade, there are a little over two hundred students in the school and a little over 40 staff members supporting these young people. The victims, as I said, there were six, three children, each nine years old, and three adults. They have been identified as Evelyn Dikas, nine years old, Mike Hill, 61, William Kenny, nine years old. Catherine Kuntz, 60. Cynthia Peak, 61. And Hallie Scruggs, nine years of age. Well, this wasn't the first. It certainly won't be the last. But it is a recurring theme, I believe, for leaders of great concern. We are going to spend some time and focus on the leadership case for a civil rights movement in the United States. What causes this is just so far beyond the pale, but let me just briefly say in this case, what compels me to come forward to share with you is that following this mass shooting, yet another mass shooting, the Tennessee House expelled two of the three Democrats who went to make a case for gun control, for gun legislation. They were protesting against gun violence. Now, we all are keenly aware, listening to this podcast, that leadership boils down to this simple fact. Do the right thing. Yeah, simple to say, but very, very difficult to do. So with that, let me just say welcome. Welcome to the Dr. John Bedker Leadership Podcast. I am your host, John Bedker. And today we're going to talk once again about guns and actually other things as well. But what we're going to talk about is the leadership case for us, each of us as leaders, to do the right thing. Let me provide a little more background and context what has gotten, I think, the country so fired up, but certainly me so fired up in this matter. I'm going to read from an article 
from the Associated Press. It's by Kimberly Crusey and Jonathan Matisse. It's dated April the 7th, 2023. This is about the expulsions that I just mentioned. How the Tennessee House expels two of the three Democrats over their gun protest. Again, from the AP out of Nashville. In an extraordinary act of political retaliation, Tennessee Republicans on Thursday expelled two Democratic lawmakers from the state legislature for their role in a protest calling for more gun control in the aftermath of a deadly shooting in Nashville. This is that shooting at Covenant School that I began the podcast with. A third Democrat was narrowly spared by a one-vote margin. The fact that there was these split votes, though, drew accusations of racism. With the lawmakers being ousted, that's Representatives Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, who are both black. While the third legislator, Representative Gloria Johnson, was white. The visitor's gallery exploded following the vote and screams and boos following saying shame and fascists. This banishment of legislatures is a move the chamber has used only a handful of times since the Civil War. Most state legislatures have the power to expel members but it is generally reserved as a punishment for lawmakers accused of serious misconduct, not used as a weapon against political opponents. GOP leaders said Thursday these actions were necessary to avoid setting a precedent that lawmakers' disruptions of House proceedings through protest would be tolerated. Rep. Republican Representative Gino Bolso said the three Democrats had effectively conducted a mutiny, end quote. At an evening rally, Jones and Pearson pledged to be back at the Capitol next week advocating for change. Well, many of you that have followed this story, it's been a little bit of time now, know that they were in fact successful in those efforts. Continuing the quote, rather than pass laws that will address red flags and banning assault weapons in universal background checks, they passed resolutions to expel their colleagues, Jones said, and they think that the issue is over. Well, we'll see on Monday. And again, we did see on Monday and again on Wednesday following the event that both of these black representatives were reinstated. Pearson and Johnson joined in protesting last week as hundreds of demonstrators packed the Capitol to call for passage of gun control measures. As the protesters filled the galleries, the three approached the front of the House chamber with a bullhorn and participated in a chant. The scene unfolded days after the shooting at the Covenant School, a private Christian school 
where these six people were killed. And among these again, three nine-year-old children. Pearson told reporters on Thursday that in carrying out the protest, the three had broken a house rule because we're fighting for kids who are dying from gun violence and people in our communities who want to see an end to the proliferation of weaponry in our communities, end quote. Johnson, who's a retired teacher, said her concern about school shootings was personal, recalling a day in 2008 when students came running toward her out of a cafeteria because a student had just been shot and killed. The trauma on those faces you will never forget, she said. Thousands of people flocked to the Capitol to support Jones, Pearson, and Johnson, cheering and chanting outside the House chamber loudly enough to drown out the proceedings inside. The trio held hands as they walked under the floor and Pearson raised a fist during the Pledge of Allegiance. Offered a chance to defend himself before the vote, Jones said the GOP responded to the shooting with a different kind of attack. We called for you to ban assault weapons, and you respond with an assault on democracy. Well, that's just a piece of this article submitted to the AP. I'll stop there, but I think you get the tenor, the energy that's coming from yet another mass shooting and another mass shooting in a school. These victims, young children, staff members, and the consequence by the state legislature in Tennessee was to take the two young black legislators that were calling for gun legislation to be expelled. Well, why am I making the case? Because there comes a time when people may be listening, but they're not hearing. Why? Because their identity, who they are, who they really are, will not allow them to hear and then will not allow them to act, to do the right thing. They are so committed to their positions, to their quest for power, for control, that they are unable and unwilling to do the right thing. Listening should involve hearing. For those on the right, they are unable to do that because it is truly who they are not. They do not want, they are not able to listen. Their identity is fixated on a gun culture and many other cultures, which this next series of podcasts is going to address, because I think we need it. 
Let's talk about politicians quickly. Talk about two leadership core competencies that each of us, I hope, practices and is so important. And those are humility and ambition. Well, very, very difficult to find these two arrows of leadership competency in the quiver of a politician. Ambition, perhaps, but humility, probably not in great supply. Now, that's not to say that there aren't good politicians, people that would operate and practice humility. To become a member of the House or the Senate, whether it's your state legislature or the national office, certainly requires ambition. These are roles of leadership, but they are positions of leadership. There's a title, there's a status. Do not confuse that with leadership, the art and practice of leadership. Far too often, and it is unfortunately common for people in these positions, whether it be in this case the state of Tennessee's legislature or in the bigger scheme of things, the U.S. House of Representatives or the United States Senate, to have grand ambition, overwhelming ambition, but an inability to hear and an inability to do the right thing, to demonstrate not only empathy for the cause, but humility in the practice of their leadership. And so what happens? How do we affect change? How do we do the right thing? I'm going to give a quote from Jimmy Carter. He says that silence equals violence. And I think we're experiencing that far too often in our world today, our turbulent world. Silence equals violence. If we do not stand up, if we do not speak up, if we do not speak out, now there will be those again that will not hear us, but many will. And it is my genuine belief that the majority of Americans want to do the right thing, regardless of their party affiliation, be they Democrat, Independent, Republican. I really believe that the majority, not all, let's be clear, but the majority want to do the right thing. Let me take a moment and talk about what I mean when I say we need to build this case for a new civil rights movement. Well, let's talk about historically what that meant and where a previous movement such as this came from. And we'll talk about the Civil Rights Act 
1964. This was an act signed into law by President Lyndon Johnson. It happened on the 2nd of July in 1964. It prohibited discrimination in public places. Provided for the integration of schools and other public facilities and made employment discrimination illegal. It was the most sweeping civil rights legislation since Reconstruction. Well, it was the president then, John F. Kennedy, who urged the nation to take action toward guaranteeing equal treatment of every American, regardless of race. Kennedy proposed this legislation, wanted it to address voting rights, public accommodations, school desegregation, non-discrimination in federally assisted programs, and more. Of course, sadly, Kennedy was assassinated in November of 1963. But his proposal culminated in the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which President Lyndon Johnson signed into law just a few hours after it was passed by the Congress. The act outlawed segregation in businesses, such as theaters, restaurants, hotels. It banned discrimination practices in employment and ended segregation in public places, such as swimming pools, libraries, public schools. It wasn't easy, though. How did you get these Congress people, these congressmen and congresswomen, to act, to do the right thing? Well, there was plenty of opposition even back in the 60s. And it wasn't like today. It was different. Let me just share briefly. Opposition in the House of Representatives bottled up the bill in the Rules Committee. In the Senate, Southern Democratic opponents attempted to conduct a filibuster to kind of talk the bill to death. In early 64, House supporters overcame a Rules Committee obstacle this is all sort of inside baseball stuff, I know. But it keeps this bill from becoming a law. And what happened was Senator Hubert Humphrey of Minnesota, with considerable support of then-President Lyndon Johnson and the efforts of Senate Minority Leader Everett Dirksen of Illinois, convinced enough Republicans to support the bill over the Southern Democratic opposition. When the compromise bill was finally put to vote in the Senate, it passed 73 to 27. Pretty phenomenal. It was noted in the congressional record, in fact, that applause broke out in the Senate galleries following the vote. Well, the Title VII of the Act created the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC, which would be the vehicle to implement the law. And now the EEOC enforces laws that prohibit discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, national origin, 
disability, or age in hiring, promoting, firing, setting wages, testing, training, apprenticeships, and all kinds of terms and conditions of employment. Okay, so a Civil Rights Act, not easily done, not done by one party, done with much effort, but it came from grassroots. And it came from some people seeking to do the right thing of both parties to come together, to behave in a way that those that sent them to office wanted them to do. Okay, so what are we going to do? We're going to spend the next few episodes of the Dr. John Bedker Leadership Podcast making the leadership case for a new civil rights movement. Obviously, I've touched on guns, the gun culture and gun violence in the United States. The fix is not coming from the top. It is going to have to start from the grassroots, from us, leaders, peoples, citizens, saying we really and truly need to do the right thing. Is dropping your children off in school and having to wonder if they'll be alive when you go to pick them up. That is not the way for Americans to have to live. Similarly, in the issue with health care, women's health care, reproductive rights, do we really and truly want a woman to have unequal rights under the law in the United States? What about voting? Um, how we exercise our right to elect individuals? Do we want to suppress the vote? Do we want to question the legitimacy of a vote? Well, most of us have seen now the decision from Fox and Dominion, this large case that was going to begin this week, but settled out of court with Fox admitting that they lied, that they did not tell the truth. So, vote counting, voting, voting rights, voting suppression, another area. Work, unions, income, disparity, Absolutely. What about courts? Well, again, keenly topical in the news, listening lately to Clarence Thomas and how his ethical lack of commitment has come to light. The highest court in the land does not have people sitting on the bench who operate with a modicum of ethics. Wow. Completely unacceptable. Foreign policy. We need to talk about it. We need to try to not get into fights. We need to try to not get into war. We need to talk about diplomacy. We need to talk about peace. 
But if we are going to get into a fight, we should have that fight to win. We should figure out who our friends are and who our friends are not. And we should be okay standing up to whichever side of the line that comes out. Well, climate change, what's the action plan? What are we doing? Very little. Very, very little. But we're going to make ourselves extinct. Do you think that the right thing might be to sit down and be honest about the data, honest about the science and the facts, and to say, wow, we need to have a discussion. What about the deficit? Budget setting. Well, do we want to help hold the credit of the, of the United States out? Dangling it for the world to see this joke of a show about we might not pay the bills for money we've already spent. We've already authorized. We've said, oh, yeah, we have a bill. We don't know if we're going to pay it or not. That's just insanity. That is not doing the right thing. Certainly racism we've talked about and we're going to need to talk about again. Education, regulation, and and let me not forget immigration. Oh, my God. Uh, A sincere, sincere problem with absolute fixes that we just are not willing to do because we are unwilling to do the right thing. So for those of you that have a compelling issue that I didn't mention in this short cameo, I apologize. I know that there are so many more important issues, but I want to tell you this. We're going to have a case, a leadership case for a new civil rights movement. And we will be doing that on the next several episodes of the Dr. John Bedker Leadership Podcast. I am so grateful you've tuned in. I really and truly hope you catch every one of these next episodes going forward. I think it's hugely important. Thank you all. Talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to Dr. John Bedker's Leadership Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please tell your friends and, of course, please follow our podcast and subscribe. Thank you again for tuning in.